Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Beardy and the Geek. My name is Emmett Okuna and with me is... Ryan Huff as always. How are you going Emmett? I am well. It's it's Halloween. I think we just had Halloween on our hands and uh, yeah. Uh, and now everyone's walking around their finery here in Melbourne because of the races. People have got strange hats on. I don't know. <laughs> I just read comics. Yeah, give it about five hours, I'd say, from the time of this recording, and there'll be a whole lot of people walking around like zombies. <laughs> it was Halloween, but yeah, they're just horribly, horribly drunk. Yeah, it's it's a rather expensive costume party. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, you know, like you said, with the finery and the fascinators and yeah. everything else, and women buy these terribly expensive, horribly uncomfortable shoes just so that they can get so drunk that they take them off and walk home barefooted. <laughs> And uh, I, I probably should mention, but there actually was a comic book launch there just the other night, um, and we had the likes of Frank Candeloro's new book, and I've Sorchuk hosted it, and so it was a comic book launch come costume party, which I think is a great idea. Yeah, yeah it's a great idea, absolutely. Uh, it's the kind of creative thing you like to see. So um, yeah, I think there was like ten comic book titles launched there. So that's quite inventive and creative, and yeah, exactly what you want. But in the meantime, I hear you've got some news as well. I do. Uh, I actually had this pop up on my radar, and it's something that I'm personally very excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the next project by James Brower of mm. the Deep Fame. Now, everyone knows how much I love The Deep, so seeing Teen High Zombie Squad, a 120-page graphic novel, come up on Kickstarter, <sighs> um, obviously really excited. Now, this is... Uh, I'm not going to say that uh, his work is uh, better than The Deep, but The Deep, I think one thing that... Um, like, I love it because it's all ages and it's really fun. Sure. This one is not all ages, uh, there's zombies getting their heads punched off and uh, horrible half-human, half-monstery bug-type creatures. <laughs> it looks like a whole lot of fun. And their campaign, if you just Google Kickstarter and Teen High Zombie Squad, you'll see a little bit of a video introduced by the writer, Darren Randall. And um, it's it's really looking like um, a whole lot of fun. I mean, it's it's something that I'm really looking forward to get my hands on. So head over to Kickstarter, check out Teen High Zombie Squad and pledge because at the time of recording, we've only got 25 days to go. Right. Okay, so get on that. Is I mean, looking at what has been presented as part of the campaign, um, you, you're saying it's a different kind of story from Brewer, but has his art style shifted? Has he adapted to the new material? Uh, I, I actually, from, from what I can see, it, it doesn't necessarily look like his art style has changed. So you've still got that very cartoony sort of look about it. Okay. Um, but it's a completely different, completely different setting. So this school, it looks like, now what I can tell just from the images that are on the, uh, campaign website, it looks as though it's in sort of a, a slightly futuristic setting where these kids are from a, a, a super incredible, um, school for the gifted, mm-hmm. and there's a zombie outbreak. Ah, as yes. as it always is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Darren Randall actually says in the campaign video, he says that this is inspired in, in no small part uh, by the 
films that he loved as a kid and he watched he mentioned Goonies, Aliens, Heathers. Uh, as soon as he said that, I was on board. The fact oh, yes. James Brower is on board as well. Just like take my money. <laughs> excellent stuff, excellent stuff. And, and seeing, seeing as you've mentioned it, um, it's also worth pointing out to folks listening that Ink Tales Anthology Indiegogo campaign is winding up in about 15 days' time. Um, it's a collection of stories by a number of Australian creators. So just to give you a heads up, you've got Steve Boyd, G. Hal, Lindy Lou, Dale McCanty, who's the brains behind this entire operation, Kate Moon, Bruce Mutard, Jason Palos. That's just a sa- sampling of the people involved. Um, all stories inspired by tattoos, or the art of tattoos, and the act of tattooing. And some of them are supernatural, some of them are almost kitchen sink drama stories. Uh, great variety of... T- I've, yeah, I have read the thing, so it, it's quite good. Um, and yeah, it's it's... It's something that I think uh, should be supported because you've got a mixture of established names like Mutard and Palos with up-and-coming Melbourne creators and Australian creators. And I hats off to Dale for actually putting this all together. Um, we a few months ago we did the uh, pitching episode where we were getting people to do their pitching for the stories. Dale's been all over social media with this campaign. He's been really good. He's been hitting up people for quotes. I think he got a quote off me, and that's going to be in the book. Um, he's been spruiking it in every form he can. I, I really admire his approach, and uh, I hope it's successful. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, personally, I I, I deplore tattoos of any kind. Um, <laughs> Liar! And, and thinks that only wankers get them. But um, <laughs> but I'm allowed to say that. Um, because yeah, you have a tattoo. <laughs> no, I don't. They pretend. They wash off. I have to reapply every day. <laughs> Uh, the yeah, it's a really cool thing, and, and the fact that um, it's we, we, he's seen such success with this, and you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not taking credit for that by any means, but I'm saying the fact that we were just talking about it, and we're talking about the art of the pitch, and how it can be so crucial mm. to actually making or breaking a project. Yes, and seeing how well he's done it is sort of it feels great. Like we can go see see that guy did it, that guy nailed it. There is a good example right there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was yeah. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, great stuff. So let's get into it, man. Um, you've got your little hands on a new Gestalt book, don't you? Would you care to talk to us about that? I do. I've got my filthy little mitts on the first issue of Broken Line from Andrew Constant and Emily Smith. Now, I am a big fan of uh, Gestalt. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm also a big fan of uh, Andrew Constant. Now, Torn I loved, but um, you know we we haven't really seen too much from him apart from that. Now, what I said to him. Now, I'm not too sure if I'm I'm sort of breaking any rules here by quoting my own quote to the author. Mm-hmm. But um, when we were cha- chatting about this, and he and he supplied me with a copy. Um, I just wanted to say that the way that I saw this book was that it's sort of a mix between the Max mixed with the Jewel mixed with the Max with two X's. The Max I know. The Max is that great uh, image comic from years ago and they got made into an MTV cartoon and all the rest of it. Correct. But, and Sam Keith's stuff, I love Sam Keith's stuff, so if Emily's taken on that aspect of it, 
really happy. If you're but, about to say that you don't know Mad Max, I'm going to come to Melbourne and punch you in the face. No, no, obviously I know Mad Max. And you've got, there's a chap in New South Wales who's like a, a Mad Max museum. Like he moved to Australia from England just so he could collect all these cars in the Mad Max film. And he, you know, it's, he's a fantastic chap. So I know my Mad Max. The Jewel? What's The Jewel? Uh, the Jewel is is a film. It's uh, it's a film from way back in the day about um, you know chasing people down in vehicles and and it's kind of remember Carmageddon, the game Carmageddon. Oh, is this like Steven Spielberg's Jewel? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Wait, have I put have I put a the in where it shouldn't be yeah. the? <laughs> yeah, I was, done. I, was, I was like, what, what the Kubrick film? But <laughs> I saw. I was a little turned around there. Sorry, I've put because it was like what nineteen seventy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was early seventies. So, so jewel, not the jewel. Yeah, we're talking about the big truck, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. All All right, right, I'm with you now. Please continue. (laughs) Very good. See, now these are things where I say, you know, like the Facebook and and stuff like that as well. So it's just because I'm an old person, okay? Leave me alone. Uh, Anyway, so that that was sort of that was the feeling that I got that it was like Mad Max jewel. Mm. And the Max, which is definitely a the in front yes. of the Max. Yes. Right. So it has a real dreamlike sort of quality, but not in the sense that it's um, lighthearted by any means. It's, it's actually quite dark and, and horrific at times. Now, first of all, when you look at the book, the first page, the typesetting mm-hmm. is fantastic. And uh, I'm not too sure if Sky Ogden was the man to do this. I know that he does a lot of the Gestalt stuff, but it looks fantastic and straight away it just pops off the page. And then you have a look at this bumper bar and the hand coming underneath the bumper bar of the uh, of the car and a little bit of a reflection in there and it sort of gives you an idea of what's to come, yeah. which is awesome because as much as people say you can't judge a book by its cover, yes you can, otherwise they wouldn't have covers. <laughs> That's some Zen stuff right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> Was well, true, no? Like people always bang on about, oh, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. you can. Otherwise, they just have the name of the thing on there, and they'd save on ink. <laughs> anyway, so then we've got Constant and Smith down the bottom. Mm. Open it up, and all hell breaks loose. It's the the whole jewel element of it, and the whole Mad Max element of it. And Mad Max is an obvious one because we've got a big black beastly sort of a car, mm. but jewel in the sense that it just things get a little bit crazy and you're not too sure whether or not the man's in control of the car or the car's in control of the man. Um, which, uh, I mean, in itself, when you, when you have people behind the wheel of a car, it's kind of hard to distinguish the two. Uh, this isn't a guns kill people, people kill people argument, but you know, are you, are you driving the car? Is the car driving you anyway? So what I love about it is that, it kept me hanging right at the end. I read through and I thought, God damn it. This isn't even released yet. So issue two is a long way away. And that's a good thing. I mean, it's not good. Not a good thing because I have to wait. It's a good thing because I got to the end of the book and went, I want more. Yeah. You know, it's not a trade. It's a single issue, which kind of sucks, but only sucks because I want more. And that very last page you just go, what the f- is going on? Mm-hmm. And it turns everything on its head because at the beginning you sort of go, eh, it's sort of a post-apocalyptic sort of a thing with a guy who's angry about things and then he does some stuff because he's angry 
And then you get to the end and you go, oh, there's a lot more to this. Good See, stuff. I'm, I'm being horribly vague, but there's yeah. nothing I can really say about it without yeah, spoiling well, things. I mean, would you describe it broadly as Ozploitation inspired, maybe? Because there, there is a lot of sort of car-oriented psychos in the Outback movies, Ozploitation. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you could, but at the same time, I, I don't know if I'd particularly want to want to brand it, um, you know, with, with being particularly Australian either. Um, there's there's not a great deal in there to identify um, it as being set in Australia, apart from the fact that, oh, well, okay, the police car looks like a very Australian police car, and he does occupy the right-hand side of the motor vehicle. But there's not a great deal in there. Like, it doesn't just scream Australia, which is which is good because, I mean, comic books are international and we shouldn't necessarily just make them Australian because we're um, focusing on an Australian audience. But, I mean, it's... Um, I, su- I suppose you could say that it's a little bit exploitation, mm. but I think it's more than that as well. Yeah. It does, um, you know, it does take... It does take its cues from Mad Max, but yep. that's not all that is. To to sort of to pigeonhole it like that would definitely be unfair. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's an exploitation film I've always wanted to see called Dead End Drive-In, and I was trying to hunt it down there in a shop there a few weeks ago, and I asked the lady behind the counter if she had it in stock. She's like, "Oh no!" And then like there was this moment, and she looked at me and she, said, "My mum was in that." <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's nice, you know, uh, but I'm very interested in exploitation because it does seem like there was this sort of, a lot of people just came in, made a bunch of movies with very little money, and there were some unscrupulous goings on behind the scenes, but you got some real gems out of that, some really slapdash movies, but they had sort of rough and ready quality to them, and uh, that was one of the things I liked about Homebrew Vampire Bullets as well, which is that it was an Australian comic anthology which riffed on this very Australian thing. But I can see it as something that would also have appeal for international audiences. Yeah, um, uh, just off topic there. Have you ever seen a film called Stone in Australia? Yes, film? yes, yes, yes. The biker movie, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still one of the greatest uh, stunts of all time, riding the bike off the gap. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like the, a place where people go to to throw themselves off to kill themselves mm. and a guy rides a motorcycle off it for a film um <laughs> a fantastic film Fant- anyway but yeah it's um broken line it's it shows that number one constant he's not a he's not a one-trick pony mm-hmm. he um he's definitely got the goods emily smith needs to make more comics oh god yes i remember i remember when we started doing this show and we we were talking to Christian Reed about Unmasked, Unmasked. Yeah. and he, you could tell he was in awe because he was saying, it's her first book. You know, <laughs> like, it's her first book, and shes it's almost like she's come out fully formed. You know, her style is already so strong. So I can't wait to see what she's done with this. I'm jealous yeah, of you, man. <laughs> it's incredibly cinematic, um, yeah. and I mean, just in terms of the panels themselves and how they're laid out, it does sort of play out like it is quite cinematic. So perhaps you're, without even seeing it, you've you've hit the nail on the head with the whole osportation thing. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, she does a great job of visualising not just the character and sort of this semi-descent into madness, but also the car looks awesome. It looks like a freaking Batmobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which can never be a bad thing. 
<laughs> Ever. Yeah. But uh, overall, this is one that definitely keep it on your radars because it's a great book. Like just from start to finish, fantastic. But I do want more. So uh, Emily and Andrew, if you can please pull your finger out and get the next <laughs> issue done, please. <laughs> so is this on release shortly or do we have no, release? I, I haven't. I haven't seen too much in terms of a release date. Okay. Um, it's so they do have their own Facebook page mm-hmm. at facebook.com forward slash broken line comic one word yep. you can go there and get updates the last one that i've seen was on the 30th of august which was a, a image of the front cover mm-hmm. but beyond that i haven't seen a great deal more in terms of release date which is a bit unfortunate well always always leave them wanting more i'm sure it'll be on, on the shelves soon yeah, well, it's. Uh, I mean, it'll be available through Comixology okay. and other digital vendors soon. Great, great. And, and it is good. I mean, that is something as well to address. It is great that so many Gestalt titles are getting out on Comixology now because you've got The Example, The Deep, Unmasked, Broken Line coming up. A few other titles as well are going to Comixology. I think that's fantastic because that means that readers overseas can obviously access access this just as well as we can well worth uh well worth a read yeah also uh the undertaker morton stone coming up as well how could i have forgotten that and we, yes we have some news on that after at the end of the show we're going to get back to that but yes exactly comicsology release of morton stone fantastic stuff all right now what have you got for us today emmett well, um, funnily enough, we mentioned Comixologist there, but because this book is also available on Comixology, and it's an Australian read, so those listeners out there who are not in Australia, you've got no excuse at all, you need to get this book. But I'm going to talk about Grubby Little Smudges of Filth by Daniel Reed. Now, this book, I it's, it's almost... I, I'm going to be talking about the art style a lot here, because I just think this book looks fantastic. It's... Um, it's, it's illustrated in a sort of storybook style and it is a sort of fairy tale narrative but at the same time there is an edge to it there's an interesting moral heart to it um i'm really i really like this book i really enjoyed reading it but just to give you a sort of ballpark idea of what it's like one of my favorite comics period is jeff smith's bone because it starts off this comical a light-hearted little fable about a little bald man and his cousin and and brother, and they're wandering into this wilderness, and then all sorts of shenanigans unfold. And you're reading away, okay, it's sort of this fantasy setting with these comical characters, and then the more you read, the more Jeff Smith introduces sort of harshness to it, um, very epic tone, and. This reminded me of that a little bit, actually. Um, the other point of comparison I would give people would be Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events, mm-hmm. where you have tragedy and misery and all these things relay to you, the reader, in a whimsical way, uh, in a sort of offhand manner. There is a lot of humor here. Um, the story is about a prisoner who is who creates this fantastic piece of art, this fantastic work of art, on a door. And his jailer, seeing this, sells the door. And he sees this prisoner as his golden goose, if you like. And the jailer also happens to collect geese. He has the same with geese. So I think uh, Daniel Reed is sort of, you know, really unraveling that metaphor there a bit. But um, 
so this work of art does the rounds and eventually draws the attention of the king and the the king demands that the prisoner be found for him he's going to take this prisoner um we learn more about this land where the story is set the king is this grotesquely overweight uh, figure and what he's been doing is he's been eating the countryside um, in, in effect, he's been eating all the food. Um, in fact, he he has some even darker tendencies, which uh, eventually are revealed. And we slowly also learn why this prisoner, who's this, like the bones from Jeff Smith's comic, this small, bold, somewhat unusual-looking little man. What could he have done? What crime could he have committed? Uh, he's so harmless-looking to wind up in jail, and it's directly connected to the regime of the king and the uh, misfortune that the king's visiting among the, his citizens. Now, uh, as I, as you read the story, you you bring these two worlds together. So you've got the decadent, depraved world of the king and his court, and then you've got the little prisoner and his jailers who are trying to keep him under wraps because he's basically their golden ticket. They're going to hopefully encourage him to do another artwork, which they can then sell and make some money and so forth. Um, in between all this, we have the fairy tale story of what happens to them, how they evade capture, and along the way they meet all these strange creatures. There's giants, there's a, there's a talking dog, but also the, the landscape is depicted in, as I said before, this storybook manner. So you've got this and there's one page of them just walking across this landscape and you had incredibly detailed drawings of tilled earth, the clouds overhead, and the bushes and trees, and Reed is a fantastic artist. Um, they also uh, bring in, there's there one panel in particular of a mule, there's a, there's a scene involving a mule has an accident, and once again the expression Reed brings out in its face, it's just pure sadness. Uh, really just, it got to me. Um, and once again, uh, the detail involved, the use of imagery is just beautiful. And so it's it's sort of surreal after the fact, because you're dealing with fairy tales, and fairy tales tend to be quite ordinary people in extraordinary situations. So these characters are just trying to get by and just trying to find food for their table and all the rest of it. And meanwhile, all this fantastic stuff's happening all around them. And the king... While he has all this power, he's just gripped by jealousy because his wife, uh, his soon-to-be wife, is in love with another man. She's disgusted by him. So he, what he wants is for the artist to come to his court and make him beautiful. So we come back to the tattooing uh, theme that we introduced the show with because he wants the artist to cover his body in a tattoo that will make him attractive, make her want to love him, because he'll now be a thing of beauty himself. There's a lot going on here. Um, the title, Grubby Little Smudges of Filth, is actually a quote from a character who dismisses the prisoner, dismisses the, the artist, saying, oh, I know what your secret, your, this is just grubby little smudges of filth. What you do is worthless. So what, what I really liked about it was that Daniel Reed seems to be saying something quite interesting about the value of art and what how art can help people get through really difficult times and these are really interesting ideas to have in 
fairy tale type story. So the fairy tales we grew up with as kids, they tended to have a moral in there. And what I like about this is it's a moral about creativity and how to be creative and how to deal with misfortune and tragedy and where bad luck comes our way and whether or not art and creativity can be a release from that or an outlet. So it's a really interesting book, um, beautifully illustrated. I can't stress that enough. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's available It's I think it's available in the shops, but it's also available in Comixology. It's been around since October 2012, so you have no excuse. Uh, you can download it right away, but it's just it's a fantastic-looking book. So if anybody out there listening, get this. This is well worth it. If you like Bone, if you like Lemony Snicket, if you like Snarked even, there's a bit of you know that sort of style um you'll love this it's just that good see i feel terrible you talk about how the the moral to this and they're talking about this and they're talking about that and and i talk about oh there was a car crash (laughs) and then there was like a rotting corpse and then the guy ate it oh my god it was a car crash the guy ate it (laughs) yeah and then the guy ate a thing and then and then like he pulled his sunglasses on and he looked really cool I guess that's just, you know, you've got to have the straight guy and, and the doofus. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the doofus. <laughs> well, varying you, degrees you, there, I think. You just, you know, this is what it is. And I'm like, oh, no, it's about all these things. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, mine, that's good. Want more. <laughs> and Daniel's like, well, it's, it's a guy who paints a door. What do you want, man? <laughs> Moral? So, so I'll apologize to, to <laughs> Andrew and to Emily for not putting in enough hard work. <laughs> Sorry, but it's really good. It's really good, though, man. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's it's it is it is quite a good book. But um, a few moments ago, you mentioned Gary Shaliner, and I've got some news, Ryan. Uh, I know you've got news, but we'll do the whole pretend like I don't oh, okay, actually let's start know, with... like the radio thing. But yes, <clears throat> let's, well, let's pretend we're in Tokyo, and this is all completely spontaneous. Um, Ryan, I have some news. What? Yes, I um, I uh, spoke to Mr. Gary Schallner last weekend, because I happened to be in Tasmania, and uh, I invited him on the show, and he's coming on Beard and the Geek to talk about Morton Stone. Now, I'm going to have to break character in there and just say that I'm actually really excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I did mention to him, I did mention to him that um, every time his name comes up, when we when we talk and we do this podcast, you always bring up the Planet of the Apes thing. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, it's it's such a good it's such a good book." Like he loves it too. Um. So I was like, "Yeah, Ryan Ryan Hoff's on a one man campaign to get this book back in print." <laughs> yeah, I like I can't find it anywhere, and this is the thing. Like the the I remember reading it years and years and years ago, and it was a friend of mine actually that um that had it, and since then I've never seen it again. But it's. Mm. It's just one of those gems that, you know, it, it's in the back of your mind. Whenever you go to a new store, yeah, you you secretly hope that you're going to stumble upon it. Yeah, that's my book. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Uh, it's it's certainly uh, it's always worth you know checking the long boxes. And, you know, you could be lucky someday. Yep, that's it. <laughs> well, folks, that's what we got for you next month. So that'll be the December episode of Beard and the Geek. Uh, we're going to try and round out this world, this year with a bang. Um, so Gary Schallner talking Morton Stone and all sorts of Dickendian nonsense. I think they, he did a he did a reading of the comic there in Tasmania for the Emerging Writers Festival at Mona. 
during the week. So I love that idea. I love doing a launch for a comic and actually performing the comic. Yeah, it's um I mean, I personally I love Tasmania. It's um it's oh, yeah. where I plan on retiring, hopefully one day if I can actually afford to retire. Um but it's it's such a great place and Mona is fantastic and yes. Monophoma is fantastic and uh and also Jackman and McGross, the uh, little bakery cafe that I sent you to, is fantastic. Okay, completely off topic, folks. Ryan recommended this bakery to me. I went there with my wife, Stephanie. Uh, we we rolled out that door afterwards. <laughs> it was just that good. It was a beautiful spot. Just in Hobart. I think just outside the main square, main town area. Um, not that far to walk, really. And um, I think a few doors up from there... I found the second-hand bookstore, and they had a copy of Panel by Panel by John Ryan. Ah, uh, yes, I did see a picture of that. So, you know, Tasmania. Stuff's going on there. <laughs> yeah, Tasmania. It's got it's got everything that you could possibly want, except for, you know, the horrible rates of crime and and, and <laughs> stuff like that we, that we tend to get in Sydney and Melbourne. <laughs> so all the good stuff, none of the bad. There well, still some of the bad, I'm sure. <laughs> Anyway, really looking forward to, to next month's show. Thanks for setting that up, Emmett. No worries at all, no worries at all. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll ring in the new year and so forth and uh, give you folks an idea of what's to come 2014. We've we got our thinking caps on, what we want to do with the show, so uh, looking forward to it. But also, if you've got any uh, recommendations yourselves out there, faithful listeners, <laughs> send us a line. Uh, just head over to Beauty and the Geek uh, at Facebook mm-hmm. and let us know what you want to hear about. Give us some feedback. Excellent stuff. There you go. And um, where else can folks find you, Ryan? You can also find me at geekofoz.com, Twitter forward slash geekofoz, and Facebook forward slash geekofoz. And what about yourself, Emmett? I am also available on themomosreport.com. So, yeah, as, as Ryan was saying, drop us a line, let us know what you think of the show, and, yeah, we'll put it on the reading list. That's growing longer and longer every day, but I, I do love doing this. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks again for your time, Emmett, as always. And thanks to our faithful listeners. Have a good night. Cheers, folks.